two, one. I actually did a code open on myself. Hey! Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a day where that shit ain't going to work, man. I'm going to be ready for it. Are you, are you? Are you? Are you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Who knows? But hey, yeah, you, welcome. You'll to get the, me one of these days. <laughs> welcome to the Couch on Fire podcast, The Afterburn with Robin Griffin. And we are talking about season uh, two. Oh, season two. I don't know how that, why that yes. happened. Season two of Game of Thrones. Uh, in case you missed it, um, we already did season one. It's a recap, more more or less what we thought of it. Um, but yeah, roughly a recap because there's a lot of politics and shit that we leave out because there's yeah, just, we kind of skipped over that part. There's just there's so enough much. politics. Just look out your door, read a newspaper. You'll get all the politics you can fucking deal with. Well, but, season two is even filled with more politics, <laughs> but there's mm-hmm. some crazy shit that did go down in season two that sets up the rest of the whole series. And I think that's the cool thing about season two is that uh, season one, you get to yeah. see, you get to hear, you get to figure out who the hell people are. Season two, it's time to start getting to the nitty gritty. Yeah, just jumping in right off the bat, um, something I actually forgot about from season one, but that I need to mention. Okay. Um Janos Slint, like he's the guy, he was kind of in charge of the guard and everything. He's the one who betrayed Ned Stark when he tried to take the throne. Yeah. I completely forgot about this, but there was that uh, that one time where I think it was either Cersei or Joffrey, it was one of them, sent him on like a purge of the city. And he was murdering every one of Robert's bastards he could get his hands on. Didn't matter whether it was a kid, whether it was a oh, baby. Yeah. I what well, that, that's 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 do you remember that's do you remember two. your reaction to seeing that well that's in season two i don't think that, that? Hap- that didn't happen in season one that's in season two bud mm, i don't know because i'm reading the the recaps right now and episode oh. one of season two oh, is that, where I... um yeah that's after Tyrion replaces janos um well, Bron. yeah oh okay well I remember that happening. Well, that that goes back to the point. Well, that kind of leads into what I want to talk about in season two. It goes back to the point that Joffrey is a little fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I know you mentioned last time that <laughs> this is the season that really cemented your hate for Joffrey. Why don't you go into that in a little oh bit of detail God. for us? Well, you know, so right off the bat, season two, um, his uncle, the the little midget. We'll, we'll go with the little midget. Yeah, <laughs> oh he, uh, he comes. He comes. Yeah, Vern Troyer. Yeah, Ver- <laughs> Mini Me fucking walks yeah. walks into King's Landing saying, "What's up, bitches? I'm your uh, right hand man. Let's do this." And he finally mm-hmm. gets down there. He sees his sister. Sees doesn't see his brother because his brother's still captured by uh, Rob Stark. But he does see. You mm-hmm. know, starts seeing people, and you know it's all good. But Joffrey's just he's getting fucking out of control, and I think he notices it right away because. You know, it's just the whole purge thing, which probably happened at the end of season mm-hmm. one. I, you know, I don't know. It, it kind of all blurs in yeah. at one point in time. But anyway, I mean, yeah. either way, either way, it's it's relevant yeah. either way. But throughout this season, you just see more shit that Joffrey does. I mean, he pretty much he's supposed to be marrying. He's supposed to be. He's waiting for. Um, what, I told you I would get better with the names. Sensa, Sensor. Stark? Sansa. Sansa, yeah, yeah. Sansa Stark. Yes. <laughs> the red, redhead. Um, yes. Which I, I, yeah, anyway. He's supposed to be marrying her, but he's, like, treating her like shit because Rob Stark is, like, going ham on 
the Lannister uh, army. So he, for payback, he's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to beat her and do shit with her. I mean, through, he just, he's just a fucking prick, man. He just treats her like shit, treats her like dog shit. Tells, he just sits on the throne like a, a, a rag boy, a, like a fag boy. I don't even know how to say it without hurting people's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits, oh, he boy. just he sits on the throne like a dick. I mean, everything he does just, I don't know. And, and I think towards the end of the season, even his own mother looks at Mini Me and says. Yeah, maybe he is becoming a fucking little asshole. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure she even says that shit. <laughs> well, somebody pointed out um, when I first started watching the show that if Joffrey hadn't been such an impulsive little dick, they would have actually, the Lannisters would have won. They, everything would have been fine. Yeah. They had Ned Stark there. He was willing to confess and proclaim Joffrey the king and stuff and tell Rob, hey, put your shit down. Don't, don't start no trouble. And... You know, that would have been the end of that. The Lannisters could have taken their armies and the armies of the North and, you know, gone up against uh, Renly and Stanless, Stan yeah. Is, and it would have been the fucking end. You know, Joffrey would still be, presumably, still be king today. Well, yeah, if he did, if, if he would have kept to his word and not killed Ned Stark, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically, yeah, I know, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. You know, he could have just set Ned Stark to the wall, and it would have been, mm-hmm. you know, Rob would have took over the North, and that's... Pretty much what would well, especially especially since there's there's not really I feel like that also would have hurt a lot of support for Stannis and Renly because Ned Stark is known as a man of his word. Yeah. So if he says nah, it's true, you know, um, uh, Joffrey is the true son of Robert. You know, he's the true heir to the throne. I know Stannis wouldn't have backed down, and Renly sure as hell wouldn't have backed down. But maybe the the lords that were supporting him yeah. would have been a little bit less open to saying nah, he's a bastard. You know, he's a he's illegitimate. Well, Joffrey's balls didn't drop yet, and he just fucking pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. So but, it fucked everything up. But you know what? It fucked everything up. But it it gave us it gave us it gave us war, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, so Joffrey, he just it's kind of it's hard to pinpoint one or two things that he just does in this season that really pisses you off because he just every time he's on set. I mean, and not even on set. Anytime he's in front of the fucking screen. He just pisses me off. I mean, even the, even when the war, when that little battle happens with the boats and um, mm-hmm. the um, oh, what is that? What is that? The wife, the wildfire. Is that what it's called? The wildfire. Yes. Yeah. Even wow, when, you actually got one right. I know, right? Congratulations. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> um, even with the wildfire, um, it's he still was a little bitch. I like I like when uh, his uncle Tyrion just fucking put, slaps him in the fucking face. <laughs> oh yeah, that that the whole line he had was great. You know, it was after the riot and everything, and said you can't talk to me that way. I'm the king, and then he slaps him full on, just slaps him yep. right across the face, and said, "Now I've struck the king. Did my hand fall from my wrist?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Someone threw shit at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I want to. The guy who threw a, a cow turd at Joffrey and smacked him in the face with it. I yeah. want that guy to be the new king. I I don't know who he is. I don't know who you are, but you are the true king to the Iron Kingdoms. And if you are listening to this, if you survived yes. whatever happens after season eight, <laughs> please. Yeah, probably not, no. <laughs> but please, uh, you know. Yeah, throw your name into the ring. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I mean, what did you, I mean, see, you read the books. Like, how, how shitty was he in the books, Joffrey? Was he like... Well, in the... <sighs> 
it's it's difficult because you know the show they always it's more about the portrayal of the actors i think yeah. whoever the hell it was who played joffrey in the show did an amazing job of making him just this hateable piece of shit in the books you know he was not as crazy like not as openly sadistic um but it made him actually worse he was a lot more like competent in his <sighs> evil you know he would do all his shit behind closed doors like when he yeah. killed uh the prostitute he shot her a bunch of times with a crossbow oh yeah while they were having sex with that, each other <laughs> yeah that that was in the books but the whole thing where like um where bron gets him a prostitute to try and calm him down and he hires another one and has them like fight each other to the death yeah that's not from the books that's that's a show edition to make him a little bit more evil i guess well i mean which and i i think it worked personally i, th- I love what the what the show did with joffrey making him such a hateable character well, it all goes back to what I was saying, like, you know, and it this comes off bad, but I, this is how I feel, because this is how I am, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but when, like, I didn't read the books, would I probably ever read the books? No, I'm not a huge reader, so that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm not intelligent, but it, it just doesn't mean I have the patience to read something that long and and, and get involved. Now, with well, that, different folks for different strokes, yeah. you know? Yeah, and with that said, the TV show, they have to add things like that, you know, and it, it just makes you hate him more because, if, say, if you read the books, you can read, like, he, he did this, and you can, some people can articulate how evil someone is by just reading about him, but then, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are visual, and I'm visual, so I had to see him do shit like that, so and that just adds to the fact that he's just a, a he, even his face, man. His face is just... I can just see his face right now. Not just because I was watching recaps, but it's just like... He looks like that backpack well, kid me, that does his, that stupid dance, you know? It's that. his voice. <laughs> to me, that's what it what gets me is his voice. Because uh, in the... Like, in the books and stuff, you read his dialogue and you have your own voice in your mind. And he sounds evil, but he doesn't sound crazy. That actor, the way that he projects his voice, where like it's it's very high pitched, just cracking all the time. He's always screaming and yelling. Yeah. It makes him sound like he's constantly on the verge of fucking losing it. Like he is kind of becoming the new Mad King. Yeah, and and, and they they really don't want another Mad King. Even the Lannisters, who are just seem to be evil, they don't want another Mad King. They don't want someone that just like just fucking just kills people left and right. They just want you know. Oh, for sure. They just want, they want basically, um, they didn't really mention this a lot in the show, but in the books, they really mentioned how they wish that Tommen, uh, Joffrey's younger brother, was the king instead. Yeah. Because he's a lot calmer, he's a lot easier to manipulate, mm-hmm. and he just, he kind of does whatever you tell him to do. You know, he, he doesn't really want to be king, he just, like, oh, okay, sure, you know, I, I should do this, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, we keep forgetting, and you brought it, you just brought it up. The bastard! How many bastard children did Robert Baratheon have? <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah, the, his yeah. like even there was fucking newborns. Like he was fucking mm-hmm. they were killing babies, infants. Man, they were mm-hmm. like this guy just has a shit ton. <laughs> yeah, they they don't they mention it like once in the show where you know he's he's saying to Jamie Lannister, "How does it feel to be watching my back while I you know whore myself into an early grave?" But in the books, they mention this dude is a serious horn dog. Like, wow, he, he goes out and gets shit faced drunk, and grabs two or three whores, and then just, you know, he's gonna be in late the next day. You know, he rarely shows up for council meetings and stuff. 
kind of doesn't really want to rule at all. He just wants to just eat, drink, and fuck, basically. Sleep wow. every once in a while. Well, you know, and but then if you think about it, like you wanna, you wanna, you know, you wanna be on his side and not be on, you know, Jamie Lannister's side or the Lannister side's period, because they're supposed to be this rich, evil family to get whatever they want. But in the end, it's like imagine being married to a guy like that that's always whoring himself around. I mean, yeah, you're fucking your brother and you're fucking some young kid, but it's like. <laughs> Because remember, she was fucking somebody else, too. And at least in season two, you learn about him. I forget his name. Yeah, her cousin, Lancel. Yeah. Oh, her cousin. Yeah, that was... Uh, I mean, usually, you know, one one crossing of the bloodline. It's like, ah, eh, sure, whatever. I mean, who hasn't? But when you start getting into multiple generations of, you know, uh-huh. inbreeding, that's when I start to say, hey, that's a little bit much. That's a little bit too much. Oh, yeah. You know what's cool? You know what's um I like about this season? That just what's up? I was just thinking. So you get to see how shitty Bran is as a North leader. <laughs> he's at the Well, cuz Rob's gone. So Rob's at war mm-hmm. with the Lannisters like we were just talking about. So Rob's right. gone. Rob's mom is I think with him right now because Jamie's there. Yeah, I, th- I think they're all yeah, together. She's like an advisor to him. Yeah, she's like an advisor. So she's making sure, you know, Rob falls in love with some w- war chick. And, you know, he does, I think he does get married behind everyone's back. That's towards the end of the season. Um, but right now, Rob's fighting a war. Um, so the North is kind of open. So who's next in line? Because the girls are not there. So mm-hmm. Mr. Handicap himself, who we talked about how he was kind of a pointless character, but now he's there. And he's just. Yeah, he's like the, the sort of like the warden of the north. Yeah, he's just he's just up there and he's chilling up there. You know, uh, Theon Greyjoy, he just I like that he turned bad. I like that he, you know he he went back to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know he wanted to go. Rob wanted him to go talk to his dad and be like, hey, join us so we can have more people in the north fight the south. And then instead, he ends up fingering his sister. And, and then, and then his, yeah, and that then, was. And then, kinda... his, and then his dad's calling him a piece of shit, basically, like, "Oh, you're just a piece of shit. You're you're not a man." And so he tries to show. He shows up to the north, and takes over the north. So now, Theon Greyjoy, who I, I've thought was a Stark in the very first episode, is uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> is running the north. Yeah, that's. Theon to me is a very like very complicated character. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to kind of sympathize him at first, and then he kind of goes above and beyond, and you think, "Ah, oh, what a piece of shit." And then supposedly he's supposed to be getting better now. I still don't like him much as a character. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the point. Um, but the weird thing is, is that you know he betrays the Stark so easily and so quickly when Rob sends him back home, but he actually saved Bran. From the wildlings when they attacked him in the woods. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't have to do that. He just, he just decided to show up, be a fucking hero. I wonder if maybe the, the, I don't, I don't remember the scene too well, but I don't know if, uh, I think Rob was not very grateful when Theon saved Bran. He said something like, you know, you could have killed him with one of those arrows or something like that. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of like the the fuse that started the his idea to kind of turn against the Starks, you think? I think maybe 
So, I mean, he was... Maybe he felt like a stepchild. I, don't, I still don't know why he was with the Starks but for the most part. I think he, like, grew up with them. And, um, yeah. And, well, that's a book thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's... His character, if we just talk about television series alone, his character just seemed pointless. He just seemed like a friend and just some, some guy that was just there. And then um, he, he does seem weak-minded because even because mm-hmm. even uh, I think in the season he was uh so Bran got away with that one wildling that that's hanging around in Ordor mm-hmm. and basically uh, yeah basically instead of uh Theon going to look for him he just burned some two random dead kids anyway he just burned them just to show a point but I think he has a soft spot for Bran and maybe even you know Bran's you know si- you know siblings you know, because he does have a younger. I think there's there's a younger Stark, isn't there? Like the youngest Stark's really young. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's one Rickon, yeah. um, who is such a pointless character that I completely forgot he existed until I read the recap. <laughs> well, I, I I just think he maybe, I mean, maybe he has a soft spot for them, but I feel like he just wants acceptance. He wants his dad his daddy to be like, I love you and I miss you, and he wants Rob to be like, you're the, you're my best friend. Thank you for doing everything. And he's not getting it from nobody, so he's just fucking all over the place right now. Hmm? And that's what happens yeah, in the season. He's just all over the fucking place. That's definitely that's definitely got something. Um, but to kind of fill you in, because I don't know how well the show mentioned it, but in the books, uh, during Robert's Rebellion, uh, Theon's dad was actually siding with the Mad King. Um, he joined up with them and turned against the Starks and against Robert and everything. So at the end, uh, Robert actually had to go over to the island, Iron Islands and kind of kick the shit out of Theon's dad. Yeah. And when he surrendered, he said, okay, look, I'll give you... I'll, you can take my son as like a hostage to my goodwill um, to make sure I don't do anything stupid. I don't rise up again. So Robert then gave Theon to Ned Stark. And he said, look, if I ever write you and say that this guy is acting like a piece of shit again. I need you to kill this guy. Oh my so god! So don't get too. That's crazy. Yeah, don't get <laughs> don't get too close to him, which might explain why he didn't really feel particularly uh, like welcome in the Stark house. Yeah. In the books, he specifically mentions, "I always saw your father's sword in between us, or something like that." You know, at a second's notice, I could be he could be chopping my head off with that big ass great sword of his. Oh yeah, we're yeah. And that's why. Well, you there? Are we having audio difficulties? He could just... Oh. So between that and then his father just kind of gave him up willingly. Yeah. Sent him over to their enemies and said, look, you can kill him if you got to, if I end up doing something kind of stupid again. Uh-huh. I, I think you're right. I think he kind of just felt like he was without a home, without anyone who kind of trusted or cared about him. I mean, his family never made any attempt in all those, like, I think it's like 15 years now to find out what happened to him or check up on him or make sure he's still all right. The Starks haven't gotten too close to him for that exact reason. He just kind of probably just feels like he doesn't have a home. He doesn't have a a place he can be loyal to. Well, yeah, I mean, I can see it. And, you know, if we're just going off season two alone, it's definitely... um... You know, it's he's definitely he's start. You know, obviously you're starting to try to hate him, but you really didn't know. I mean, I I just feel like he, 
unless he does something in this ne- this season eight, this last season, to me, he's just really pointless. I mean, there's some things, some things that happen later in the seasons that we'll talk about, but right now, it's like season two is building him up, and I'm like, okay, this would be good, but it is a letdown in the next couple seasons, in for at least for me. Now, maybe to other people it's not, but for me, he is a letdown. So I just don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll move on. Yeah, I, I think he definitely had a much more important character in the uh, <laughs> in the books. Yeah. Um, specifically, well, that's that's a whole another uh, whole another book. But that's the scenes later on at Winterfell when things kind of really kick off between the Boltons. Yeah. He played a much more important part in that in the uh, in the books. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll get to that. Because right now, oh, yeah. um, early on in Game of Thrones, the show follows the books pretty closely. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of deviations. The further along the show gets, the farther apart they're going to get. And kind of the more differences I'll have to point out. Well, it goes back to when we were talking about um, Star Wars, back, you know, when we did that miniseries about Star Wars. I mm-hmm. think they were following the books and people were like a lot like you know 70 to 80 percent of people were liking it but not all 100 percent were digging it so they had to change things i'm telling you movies and tv shows if you just stick to your guns it's still it would still please people people would get used to it but people probably write comments saying oh well you know john snow i mean he's you know this and that and you know all these wildlings what's going on and I don't know. I just feel like they, they listen to criticism too much, and then they try to approve it, but in the end, they change things too much. Mm-hmm. But oh, I agree. But in yeah. certain cases, to me, someone that didn't view the book, I didn't really see the change because I didn't read the book. So to me, not knowing what the book is, it's fine. I mean, besides, like I said, there is one season that I'm really not a huge fan of, and we'll get to that season soon. We will. We definitely <laughs> will. I have my own problems with it. And um, But... You know, I don't know, but you know, we're we're sitting here talking about the 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 was it Iron Islands and Greyjoy and all this stuff. I mean, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. we also we also really there's two there's two other well there's a couple other characters you you meet that are very important, and one of them is a mystery to me. I still don't understand it too much, and I do I you do learn a lot more about it in the coming up seasons, but. The man with many faces, the assassin. Ah. So you 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 get to see him. You see him early. You see him at the end of season one, kind of briefly. He's he's one of the captured people that's going up to the with Arya. To he's like one of those slaves that are captured. But then mm-hmm. in season two, everyone breaks loose, and he he sets you know Arya sets him free, and then um. You know, later he shows up and he's like, "I will, since you did this for me, I'll, I'll grant you something. You know, put names down and I'll kill them." I think it was only three, right? Yeah, three names. Basically, the 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 god that he served uh, is kind of like the god of death. Um, and because him and the other two were condemned to die, and she set them free, she cheated the god of death of three deaths. So he said, "You know, I still owe the god of death three deaths." Oh. So give me three names, I'll kill them, but I'll only kill three, because then otherwise we'd be out of balance again. Okay. And that's so it, it's like it's less of a loyalty type thing and more yeah. of like a, an obligation, so to speak. Yeah. Like For, his, his oh, on his obligation. Yeah, on his beliefs. Yes. And I love what Arya did. She like pretty much condom. You got to kill yourself. 
if you mm-hmm. don't get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, and which just shows this shows the level of intelligence that she is has or developing. Not only was she trained, you know, the art of the sword. Now, you know, she's sitting here. She's conning a man who is a straight assassin to help her get out of capture. You know, get out of this. Uh, I forget the name of the castle. Um, it's like in the middle. Heron Hall. It's like in the middle of the fucking map, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, bam. Yeah, it's like it's right in between, kind of like uh, where the Lannisters live, yeah. and where the Tullys are at. Like, okay. you know. And um, uh, Arya's family and stuff. Yeah, but you. So in this season, you don't learn too much about him. He does finally tell her that he's an assassin. Um, he's he's what you known as the men. Well, it's man with many faces. Is it men with many faces or man? No, the the order he belongs to is called the Faceless Men. The Faceless Men. Damn, I'm fucking this. Yes. Um, and they are known as the greatest uh, assassin order in the world. Like they have okay. no equal. There's a whole bunch of other different assassinations, people like the Sar- like the Men of Sorrow and all this kind of shit. Yeah. But the Faceless Men are by far and away the most expensive, but they're pretty much a guarantee. Like, once you hire the Faceless Men, they're good as dead. Okay. And now you see why. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> because they're just... Like, they're just... They're fucking crazy. They can change their face at, like, the, at the flip of a switch or the flick of a finger. Does, uh... They're, does Arya go with him this season? I don't know if she does or not. I think not, not, not this season. No. Okay. Um, this is when she's trying to get back to her family. She doesn't oh. realize uh, how many of the Starks are dead. But he gives her a coin. <laughs> it's basically like a kind of like an initiation thing. Okay. Where it's like, hey, if you want to join us, just show this coin to somebody from Bravos, and they're honor bound to try and get you there, to where we're at. Oh, and she ends up doing that in the later season. But right now, she's just she's trying to get back to her family, and she's doing anything she can to survive. And she's meeting some uh, some crazy fucking assassin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, she's like she's got her friends from the Night's Watch, who you know we don't hear too much from anymore. Yeah, my boy Hot Pie <laughs> that I can respect because he's like you know fuck all this politics shit. I just want to be a baker. Yeah. I just want to bake bread. And eventually, he's one of the few characters in Game of Thrones that has a happy ending. Let me put a big asterisk on that. Because we could see, like, the latest season, and they could go back to the end, and he'll be sitting up there crucified or some shit. But for right now, he got a happy ending. Got to go to a nice, friendly inn. He's just, he bakes bread there, and... Let's hope it, uh, it stays. Or, let's hope it doesn't stay. I don't know. Depends on where you shift. Um... The other, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. So that was one important person, and then the other one, um, well, there's a couple, but another one that's very important is this, uh, this witch. She's she has red hair, mm-hmm. she's pretty smoking hot. I think she is, but she's an older woman. But, yeah. uh, yeah, Melisander or Melisandre, however the fuck you pronounce it, I still don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I see that's another thing. So, all this, so the, the north and south are fighting. But there's people, you know, Rob and the Lannisters are all trying to get people on their sides because they know this is a big battle, but they need as many people as they can. So they go to all these little kingdoms and things like this. Robert Baratheon's brother, is this his brother? Yes. Okay, so it's his brother. He has his own vendetta against the Lannisters, and he's trying to, 
you know, he, he's trying to get his army together so he can go attack them. But in the meantime, he's like hanging out with some voodoo chick who's extremely hot. And he's just trying to, you know, she's telling him things, speaking in his ear. And he's just basically like, I just want to know if I'm going to win this war. Am I going to get the iron seat? Am I going to, you know, and, you know, she just, she's crazy. I think he like has sex with her right on like uh, the chess table. I call it the chess table. Yes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a little little war room thing. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, she, was she like that? Was she how important was she in the books? Because it seems like right extremely. now she's very important right now. You, you get to see her. You see this. Uh, she kills. Um, well, she doesn't kill this. This creature crawls out of her and kills. Um, mm-hmm. Whoa, what is his? Kills name? Renly. Renly, yes. Renly, the gay boy. Yep, the gay boy. Yeah. Um, in in the books, she's just as if not more so important um and we come to find out that she's a lot more powerful than she gets credit for because uh, her opening chapter where she's first introduced there's a guy who's basically supposed to be what uh davos was to stannis um he's like his steward or something like that and said you know what i can't have this crazy witch you know poisoning my king anymore so he slips her some poison in a, in a cup of wine and she says, okay, I'm not going to drink that. You drink it first. And he says, all right, well, fuck it. I'll take you with me. And he sips some. Yeah. And then he gives it to her to drink, and she drains the whole cup. And he starts choking on his blood and, like, blood shooting out of his eyes and his ears and nose and stuff. And she's perfectly fine. She's just sitting there. It's like, huh, what's going on here? You uh, you eat something wrong? Something's going bad? <laughs> like, it, it makes her out to be a lot more powerful than the show kind of does. Um but she's an incredibly important character because she's the only one so far who is aware of the threat that the White Walkers face. Now, she doesn't go about putting it forth in the best way. She basically, she says a bunch of cryptic shit, you know, like the long night is coming and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And she sides with Stannis because she thinks that he is kind of like the 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 heir of this new prophecy yeah. of Azora High. You know, basically the guy who's prophesied to kill the Night King and save the world. But in order to do that, he needs to be like the king. He's got to have the support of everyone in the Seven Kingdoms, and even then it's like a, it's, it's so-so that they'll actually be able to do it. So to her, she she whispers all this in the Stannis' ear, and that's why he's so unwilling to negotiate with people like Renly and Rob and stuff like that who will say, oh, I'll help you, but only if you do this for me. He says, no. I'm the guy who's got to save the fucking world. Yeah, you either help me out or we're all screwed. Makes a little bit more sense why he's so kind of unbending, so unwilling to change. Yeah, if if everyone's telling him that this is what happens if you if you negotiate, like everybody dies. I know a lot of people in the fandom are huge fans of Stannis. I mean, he's okay. I don't hate the man, but I like he's... him. I well, think... I mean, Renly put Renly puts it best. He says, you know, you're a great leader but you're no king because you you have no way of winning people over to your side. You have no charisma. You have oh, no yeah. way. He's very, he's very blunt. Very, very cold, very yeah. dry. <clears throat> um, no, but the, you know, she's just, ah, man. I mean, so you, you get to learn about her. You get to find out some things about her and then you see how he's doing it. 
you know, how he's planning on attacking the Lannisters, which he does in this season. He um he goes to King's Landing on boats. I don't know how many boats, but it was like, I want to say at least. It was a pretty big fleet. I was going to say at least about 80 to 100 boats of people. And that's when you get to see this wildfire for the first time in action. And um, which we talked about how you know Joffrey is just a little bitch, um, but they attacked the they, they attacked King's Landing, but they lost, yeah. they lost, and they retreated. Yeah, the <laughs> that whole thing was just as crazy in the books as it was in the show. I think the show did great, like homage or homage to the Battle of the Blackwater. Yeah, um, and it it really shows Tyrion's worth as a character. Because before Tyrion came along and started changing these things around with the wildfire and stuff, the, the idea was basically King's Landing is fucked. Yeah. Because they had maybe like 12,000 guys there, and Stannis was bringing like thirty-five to 40,000 guys, I think. He was he was massively, you know, overwhelmingly in the numbers advantage. Plus, he was this great military leader and great strategic mastermind and everything. So everyone was saying, okay, we're fucked. We're just going to try and get out while we can. Or we're going to kill ourselves, or something like that. Yeah. And Tyrion comes along and says, "Well, now hold on, let's let's not be so hasty. I got this." Well, Tyrion is—he's so good. He's so intelligent. If you just listen to the way he communicates to people and just tells them kind of what to do without sounding like a dick, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and that's like one of his. And that I think is is one of the greatest tragedies of Game of Thrones because of his of his like his dwarfism and everything like that. He gets no respect. Gets yeah. no decency. If he would have turned out, I think normal. Don't don't kill me, Huffington Post. <laughs> if he would have, but I, but I'm saying normal in a like Tywin would have accepted him. Yeah, I think he would have definitely easily been the the heir to Casterly Rock, and he would have probably helped the Lannister bloodline go on for a thousand years. Yeah, I mean, imagine the ruthless cunning of Tywin mixed with the kind of the more empathetic side of Tyrion you know if, if they would have actually been able to stand each other if they would have been able to work together so, so basically if he, Lannis- if if he just looked like his brother Jamie that's pretty much yes. what he, basically yeah I mean that's just yeah unfortunately in that world he just looked like he was the imp I mean he was the you know every he was the the brunt of every joke because you know there just like any medieval time, when someone's different, they just fucking made fun of him. I mean, and that's just basically what, what it was. But he was extremely intelligent, and I agree with you. During that war, you got to see a, a good leadership side of him that you haven't seen. And, um, which, it sucks because he wasn't rewarded because, uh, his father came back oh, to no, town. Was... And then <laughs> he, I mean, uh, he was treated like shit. Yeah. I mean, basically, first Cersei tries to have him killed, tries to have one of the Kingsguard just discreetly kill him on the battlefield. Yeah. And he survives that, wakes up a week later, and he's just in some forgotten piece of shit tower. You yeah. know, he's no longer Hand of the King, Tywin's Hand of the King now. He's completely forgotten about. It sucks, man. It it, it broke my heart when I read it in the books, because he was just so, he felt so betrayed by his family. You know, he saved all these people, and single-handedly saved King's Landing and just was not appreciated for it at all. Damn. That, see, that's just the Lannisters for you. That's Joffrey. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking bitch. But, um... Alright. There is something that I've been ready to talk about that we're missing right. in Season 2. Mm-hmm. 
like I said in the last episode, season one, one of my favorite things was the wall. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, That's so a lot of more shit happened in season two, north of the wall. Um, mm-hmm. so let's before we get into that, before I dive into that. You do hear um, a little bit, Bran, with Bran, you do hear a little bit about the children of the forest. Now, you only hear about them, but you don't really see them or you don't really understand them too much. You just kind of already hear about it. Now, I'm just saying that, the children of the forest, because in later episodes, you'll learn when we talk about them in depth why important they are, how important the children Mm -hmm. of the forest are. But anyway, so north of the wall. So a group of was it crow? Is it crow eaters? What do they what do they call themselves? Crow eaters? It's, no, not crow eaters. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of like Sons of Anarchy. Um, yeah, I think they call them just crows. I don't I know. Mean, yeah, a, a group of uh, Nights Watchmen are. Tra- oh yeah, 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 they're traveling. Yeah, they call yeah the wildlings call them crows. Yeah, yeah, you're, okay. yeah, you're yeah. right. So they're traveling on the wall and they find a house. Why are they traveling? I, I will. I do admit I don't remember why they're. Over- okay, so in the beginning, um, you know, the very first opening scene where all those Night Watch get killed. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was one of several scouting expeditions that got sent out by the Night's Watch. One of those was led by Jon Snow's uncle, uh, mm-hmm. Benjamin Stark. None yes. of the scouting missions. Well, none of the scouting missions came back. They all disappeared. Um, it, except for the ones that they found dead and they came back and they were like, they were zombies, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the idea was, it's like, we're going to do a recon in force. Like the entire force of the, of the night's watch. We're going to find out what the hell's going on and what we need to do about it. So yeah. they set off to Craster's keep, who is the guy whose house they found. He's a wildling, but he's like a friendly ish wildling. That he fuck, helps out the Night's Watch from time to time. That fucks his daughters. <laughs> yes. Um, and the reason why he's able to survive outside of the wall from the White Walkers is because he... Sacrifices. Obviously, he, yeah. Yeah, he inbreeds with his daughters, and whenever he has a son, he leaves them to be sacrificed to the White Walkers. And we'll see what they do with those in a little bit. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very intriguing because, okay... When you see this, you're like, okay, they're north of the wall. You still haven't really seen. So when you're watching season one, you briefly saw a White Walker. So you really don't know too much about it. So in season two, when you see them up north in the snow, you're just waiting for this to happen. Then Jon Snow stumbles across um, him, you know, like one of his daughters had a son, him sacrificing his son. And then, um, you know... Jon Snow gets hit over the head and all that good shit, and you know they 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 leave the house, but they stayed there and they got their information, and then I think Jon Snow and a couple, just a couple other guys, keep going north, but everyone else goes back to the wall, mm-hmm. and then um, then they come across some uh, wildlings, and uh, one of them I think is actually Jon Snow's wife in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually got married after the show. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. They come across some wildlings and they try to attack him, and he ends up like things spo- don't go over a little bit too well. Yeah, he ends up like <laughs> he ends up like spooning one of them. It was weird, and mm-hmm. then, <laughs> but no. So to me, so like questions that we were asking last time, the best moments of season two, I can honestly say right now. Um. Well, besides the very last scene 
of season two, but the best moments of season two is what we're talking about right now for me, because I'm so intri- I love zombies, so I'm so intrigued about it. And I know we still haven't even talked about Daenerys yet, but I'm just saying to me the best the best part of this this season is what we're talking about now, and that's this the mystery in the mystery about the wild the wildlings because you you've heard about them all season one, you've heard about them in the beginning of season two, and now you're starting to see them, and they're just like you. They're not like weirdos, but then you're like, well, how the fuck are they living up here and these zombie things are walking around? So that's very intriguing for me, and that's, to me, one of my favorite moments is when you meet them, and then you meet, um, what is his name, the Bone Collector? What is his name? The Lord of Bones. The Lord, I'm close, okay? (laughs) You're getting there. It almost sounded like a pro wrestling name, though, the Bone Collector. (laughs) Well, I mean, in the show, so, you know, Eventually, the Wildlings take Jon Snow um, back to uh, their... I wouldn't say he's the big boss, but he's like... camp. Yeah, yeah, the camp, and he's the leader of that camp. And, you know, he's just covered in bones, and it's just kind of scary. But you see all these Wildlings, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. Even though later you see more than just those Wildlings. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of fucking Wildlings. Yes. And giant men, but we'll talk about that. (laughs) Um... Um, but yeah, I mean, no. If we're talking, if we're talking best moment, but beyond the wall, it would have to be the the assault on the on the Night Watch encampment. Things called the in the books is called the Fist of the First Men. I don't know what they call it in the show, but just something I wish they would have kind of communicated. Although I couldn't see a way of them communicating it without kind of ruining it for everybody. Yeah. In the book, you know that the number of horn blasts determines what's coming. Like, if you hear one blast on the horn, it's the rangers are coming back. Blast two is wildling, and a third blast, which hasn't been used in hundreds of years, is for basically White Walkers. Yeah. Or the Others, as they're referred to in the show. So, I, me, I knew it was coming as soon as I heard the first two blasts. Yeah. And you know, everyone drew their swords and stuff. It's like, oh shit, wildlings. As soon as that third blast hit, goosebumps popped up all over my arms, all over my body. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck yes, it's finally time. And everyone in the Night's Watch just starts freaking out and saying, run, holy shit, they leave yeah. Sam behind. Well, the, well, And then you he hides and you finally see them. Yes. And these aren't these aren't just like your baby bitch, you know, first time zombies and stuff. Where they're just like they have a little blood on them. No, uh, these guys are fucked up. Well, it's like some ha- of them are just like torsos missing, fucking neck pieces are missing. Yeah, I mean these are some fucked up zombies. The um, only thing that bugs me is that in the books they went, and I, I know why they didn't do it because Game of Thrones hadn't had that big of a budget yet. Yeah, but in the books they mentioned that some of the White Walkers were riding giant spiders made of ice and there were zombie bears which we see later on in I think it's like season 7 and there were giants and all kinds of stuff and in the books there's actually a battle scene you see like the Night's Watch trying to hold them off with flaming arrows Mm -hmm. and they have like these burning pits and stuff and they have like cavalry that they charge through them and stuff before it's like ultimately it's pointless and then they make a break for it. In the show, they just it just goes, you know. I, and you, I, I thought that you would. I thought when I first, when I first saw them, when they were just going. So when you first see them, you see the one on the horse, and I thought mm-hmm. that was like, oh, he must be the leader. 
but he's not, which, which no, we learn he's later. One of four, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse kind yes. of thing. And then there's there's still the king, and um, the night king, but you don't see him this season, which I thought we did, but I guess we don't. I think that's probably a season three thing. Um, but no, I I mean I agree when they when they did that and they started running back because remember Sam was with some night they were they found um dragon glass which is very important to know. Um, but mm-hmm. they found a whole bunch of dragon glass stuff, and then what they learned about dragon glass is, you know, that's the thing that kills these, these fucking things besides fire. Um, and uh, which makes funny, which which is kind of funny thinking about it, because dragon glass kind of looks like ice, and the title of these books are ice and fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, between that and the White Walkers seem to be made of ice. Yeah, that's true. That's then- true. But um no no that was very exciting that was that was a very exciting thing because but it just it just leaves you wanting more you now you're like oh my god this is about to go down and then it just goes away yeah that, that that's <laughs> one of the unfortunate things that's one of the things I do have to criticize about the the early seasons of Game of Thrones because they had such a small budget yeah there were very few actual big scale fight scenes yeah. like the the couple of scenes that we see of Rob you know, fighting the Lannisters and stuff, it cuts away before the battle actually starts. It just cuts straight to the aftermath. Well, that's why... Like I said... Well, well, that's why from season six, season six, seven, and probably this one coming out are probably one of the... some of the best seasons, for at least for me, because of the fight scenes. Because of the things that happen in those fight scenes. Now, it... there, I mean, that, that boat scene probably took all the budget for season two. That... Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, battle of the Blackwater, and yeah. it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. It was, yeah, yeah, it was cinematic. It was intense, but that battle scene between the Night's Watch and the White Walkers, I was so looking forward to, because it <laughs> perfectly encapsulated just how fucked humanity was. Yeah, I mean they they mentioned that the Night's Watch, two hundred guys from the Night's Watch can go up against a thousand wildlings with no trouble because they have discipline. They're trained. They do everything, and then here they try and fight just a couple of White Walkers and get fucking stomped. They get wiped out. I think it's like two-thirds of all of the Night's Watch people get killed before they retreat. Wow. And that's why they're so horribly understaffed when uh, when the Wildlings attack the wall. You know, I think it's like season four. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait Season two, there wasn't the battle, right? With the... No, no, yeah, it was yeah. just a setup. It was it just was them a setup. walking. Yeah, that's, okay, I just wanted to, because I haven't seen it in a while, and I was wondering, because I, I know it happens, but I don't think it happens yet. I think it definitely happens in season three. Mm-hmm. And, um, but no, it, but de- to, it definitely set it up. That was good. I will say this, though. <laughs> I have always been a big audiovisual guy. Yeah. I, I think audio is just as important to, to visuals as far as uh, keeping something interesting. And when the White Walker kind of lifted up his spear and started screeching, uh-huh. I don't know how the hell they did it, but that sound put me on edge so fucking bad. Got my goosebumps going even worse. My hair was standing up on edge. <laughs> and that's when I'm thinking, this show's fucking awesome. If, if only the um, listeners knew what your hair looked like. And the fact that if Yeah, you... I have... <laughs> if my hair is standing up, that's, that's a big deal. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> Did you ever did you ever cut it yet, or is it still like down no. to your ass? <laughs> no, it's still growing. Um, it's it's nice and thick now. It's a bitch to a bitch to comb. Do you use like mane and mane and tail 
like that. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't even bother. I don't even bother with a with a hair straightener anymore. I just get my waffle iron out, get it preheated, <laughs> layer that shit in there. You get you get someone come over if you you go out on a hot date, right? It all goes yeah. well. You guys are eating. You guys go back to your place. And you're sitting on the couch and you hand her a brush and says like, "What's this?" brush my hair and then you just start like shaking your leg like a dog like (laughs) oh yeah that's the spot right there and then she's just doing it and then (laughs) and that that's the litmus test right there that's that's how you know the woman you're going to marry oh my gosh i can just i can see that happening i don't know why if she's if she's willing to brush my hair she's a keeper (laughs) uh all right so the one where the hell were we yeah Yeah. (laughs) All right, so the one part we really didn't talk about too much, but she really wasn't in it too much, and that's the Dragon Queen. Oh, uh, we're talking about Daenerys? Yes, and honestly, this season wasn't... To me, they they put her in it because you saw how she got her and her... her and her uh, the, the, the rest of the Delfrakis go to this town. You saw how people were trying to steal her dragons. You saw how she got how she got money to afford more people and boats. But mm-hmm. that's it. And honestly, <sighs> to me, well, at least season two, visually-wise, that's how it is. In the, maybe it was different in the books, but... I hated this fucking season in regards to Daenerys compared yeah. to the books. Mostly because the stuff that made her interesting in the books could not be shown visually because it would ruin the surprise. So yeah. she goes to this building after uh, somebody steals her dragons... She goes to this building called the House of the Undying in oh, the yeah. books. Oh yeah. Well, they, they and they she does go there in the show because she meets that one oh, that one like warlock guy. You you poor innocent soul. <laughs> but what they show in the show is nothing compared to in the books. Let me put it this way: her like one chapter in the House of the Undying has formed the backbone of I'm not kidding a solid eighty percent of the fan theories on Game of Thrones. Wow. She has so many hallucinations and so much like sim- symbolism and stuff going in all these hallucinations. Well, the, one, about... the one solution, the one they show it in the show, but not probably not the same. They they show they show the Iron Throne with the roof gone and it's snowing, and then they show her with a baby with um, Khal Drogo, and mm-hmm. I I think that's all they show. Yeah, so I, I guess that's meant to represent her Dothraki finally making it to Westeros when she invades or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, but I don't know about that. Now, the, the the more thing that was intriguing was the Iron Throne with snow on it. Because at this time, you just learned about the White Walkers. And then you see that shit, and then you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you, you hear about the urban myths of thousands of years ago, these things. Winter is coming, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's honestly when I first it I it was a great red herring because for me when I first saw that and when I first read about it in the book I was thinking okay you know they were just talking about how they're due for winter that must be what they're talking about maybe this winter's going to be bad or something yeah. but later on you get into it it's like oh shit they're talking about the White Walkers coming for King's Landing you know invading Westeros and stuff mm. but. I mean, I'm talking about in in the books when I say like symbolism and everything. We're talking about stuff like you know she she correctly uh, predicted that Stannis was going to kill Renly because there was like a a deer 
which is the Baratheon house symbol. Yeah. Um, that that was like goring another deer, and there was its shadow was all fucked up, which was meant to like be Melisandre and the shadow baby and stuff. Yeah. And it's just page after page of stuff talking about, like, she predicted the Red Wedding. Um, Whoa. There was... What's what's the Red Wedding? <laughs> oh, we're not getting to that yet? Yeah. Find but out. She pred- you, we'll find out soon. <laughs> Go like, on. there's all this there's all this stuff that's described in such a vague way that you wow. couldn't possibly guess where it's going to go until it does. Like, he, when he was writing the books, he was setting up stuff that wasn't going to happen for two or three more books down the line. Wow. And so that's... I understand why they decided not to show it in the show, because obviously it would be a massive spoiler. But I'm also just very... I'm just kind of disappointed. You know, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the second book. Uh, at least Daenerys' storyline in it. Well, they and def- they kind of just... Yeah, I mean, TV show-wise, they just... They put her. Well, I think TV sh- TV shows just have a problem with mystery in general, because, like you said, it's a visual medium. Yeah. So you can't have somebody where it's like, oh, who's that? You know, in the books, it's just as simple as they just don't see him clearly, or they don't recognize him. But we, as an audience member, you know, we can pause the show and look and like, oh, that guy's shoulders look familiar. That's obviously such and such. Yeah. And then the the mystery is ruined. That's true. I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, not, to, not to mention, like, the, the casting and stuff gives that away pretty easily. Somebody looks on IMDb and says, oh, you know, the same actor who plays this character also plays Mysterious Masked, uh, masked Man. Well, I mean... That's it, the end of that mystery. It just, it all goes back to, I mean, if books are obviously, if movies are based off novels or any kind of book, obviously the book is going to be better. Just because of the amount of, I mean, that was when it was first came out of the brain of the author and right on the paper. There was no peop- there was no a thousand other people pulling strings saying, okay, well, I like this, but let's just turn that word this way and do this this way, like it is TV shows and movies. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, naturally, the book will always be better. I mean, sometimes movies are great. There's good movies that came from books that I think are outstanding, but the book was always yeah, better. To, to this day, I think the only movie that's better than the book that I've seen so far is The Godfather. I mean, The Godfather book is okay, but the, the movies are just... I mean, they're a cinematic classic for a reason. Yeah. But everything else, there's there's just more room for detail and more room for imagination in a book. Like, more room for tension, mystery, yeah. intrigue. Mm-hmm. But okay. there are certain ways... I think there are ways that you can significantly improve a TV show or a movie compared to a book and there are ways that uh, the Game of Thrones did that and there are ways that it kind of failed to do that and season two unfortunately is one of those times that they kind of failed well you know one thing if you had to give them kudos they involved the Arthur mm-hmm. when they were doing yeah, the TV George show George R. R. Martin have a... and, which I think is wonderful because then that just means that they want to not only pay homage but they also want to include him like hey we want to do this. We want to do it as best as possible, but we can't. We we don't have the budget yeah, to make it like if, huge. But <laughs> yeah, if they want to veer away from the source material, they have at least like the the author's permission to do so. I think that's pretty neat, you know. Um, no, I agree. I hundred percent agree. So uh, Daenerys, I, I I feel like her character was kind of wasted this season. 
Oh yes. Well, that brings me to that brings me to what we talked about in the last season. Um, it's about an hour, so we're gonna. I'm gonna ask Griffin these questions. What are the best moments? The worst moments? And where would you rank this season? And for me, I told you my best moment. And then I'll, I'm gonna tell you. The, oh yeah, the yeah the the White Walkers attacking the uh, yeah the Night's yeah. Watch. And then the the worst moment would probably just be that whole that whole thing like. You know, her getting her dragon stolen, her hallucinating. To me, it just was kind of pointless. And then, you, you know, it just, I don't know. That was just probably one of the worst moments for me. Um, and ranking this season, I would rank it, I hate to say it out. So, what did I, so we were going one through eight. So, I ranked season one, number six. Or no, no, I've ranked it number seven. I've ranked it like almost. There's only one season that I think is worse than number um, season one. I would say season two goes to number six in the sixth slot for me. Season one and two are great. They're not the worst seasons, but they're definitely you know they're not up there. And they're building blocks, basically. Yeah, they're building blocks, um, and that's why I rank it at. So, what about you? Talk to me, stud. Best moments, okay. Worst moments, and where do you rank it? Well, I would just to not like be the exact same conversation. I would say my best moment would probably be the lead up to and then the battle of the Blackwater. Okay. Tyrion's preparations. Um, I love the character development for the Hound because the Hound is probably one of my favorite side characters. He's such a complex character, such a badass, you know, well, he, fighting style and stuff. The Hound, I think. The Hound actually goes good in this season, doesn't he? He like kind of realized that, oh man, who I work well, for is fucked up. <laughs> he, he he becomes a lot less evil. Um, yeah, because he's... he has a lot of a lot of amazing lines and stuff. Oh, like <laughs> when he goes running out of the running out of the gate, go fight everybody. He says, "Any man dies with a clean sword, I'll rape his fucking corpse." <laughs> <laughs> he's out there just cutting people in half with a big ass great sword. It's great. Yeah. Um, the wildfire explosion was amazing, especially considering the relatively low budget and the where it, where it took Tyrion's character, where it took Sansa's character. I think it was a great kind of set piece to cap off the season, um, yeah. and the fact that they allowed Stannis to become defeated without completely neutering his ability to cause chaos, I thought was a really really delicate way of taking care of that. Um, unfortunately, I cannot disagree with you on the worst part of the season. I think Daenerys' whole storyline was a complete waste of, of time, and her whole monologue about, where are my dragons? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I am Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen, fire and blood, all this. It's like, come the fuck on. This was a lot more tolerable in the books, because at this point she was like 13, so I'm just imagining like a little yeah, tiny 13 year old girl screaming about her dragon it's it's hilarious but she has yet to become something of an interesting character on her own um, I mean, she's just kind of stumbling around the big problem is you just don't see her naked in this one so yeah and you're not going to see a whole lot of that either um, I know, I know. Now on, cause I, I know they, they actually it's funny they actually mentioned um after season one, Amelia Clark, the lady who plays Daenerys, she said that she was watching the show with her family and they were just horrified at all this this senseless nudity. So when she re-upped for season two, she said, okay, you motherfuckers need me now. I'm not doing nude scenes anymore. 
Wow. Get a body double or just write them out. Wow. And sure enough, you know. Imagine sitting with your mom and just looking over and like, yeah, he's 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 called uh, Kyle Drogo. Yeah, he's pulling my hair. Yeah, he's fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my yeah, god. That that would get kind of weird. I would imagine the the lady who played uh, Ross, the prostitute, though. That's got to be a weirder watching experience. You know, the the scene where Littlefingers oh, and Bravo right. and they're, and they're wiped... talking. Uh... Yeah, is that the is that well, the chick that he wiped the cum off of her fucking face and then she started making out with some other dude? <laughs> I don't remember that exact scene. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that's that's the lady. Um, they're, they're like in the, like Littlefinger's in the brothel talking with somebody about. I think it was Jano Slint or something like that talking about chaos as a ladder. Yeah. And she's over there making out with another woman, and he just casually stops mid sentence and says, "Play with her ass a little bit," and then keeps not keeps going on talking like nothing happened. It's like I can't even imagine you mom, know mom. being that lady's fucking mom and sitting down and trying to be supportive and watch this show that she acts in and stuff. Or- and, or she had kids and like, mommy, when, when was your big break? Oh, Game of Thrones. Oh, what did you do? I played with some ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a, a bisexual prostitute who got killed by Joffrey. You oh know, my that's... gosh. Yep. Um. Well, where do you rank it? Where do you rank the season? Uh, I would say I would probably put it at about. About a. Four or five um, five. out of eight. Um, It had plenty of great moments in it. It said Battle of the Blackwater, you know, the the Fist of the First Men. So many great little action set pieces and little character moments and stuff. I actually liked Theon's, uh, his change from just kind of a nobody to this evil piece of shit and stuff like that. But it still doesn't have all the great, like, wow moments or any of the great special effects that make any of the great later seasons but it doesn't have the stupid writing or the annoying characters that make some of the worst later seasons so i'd say a nice middle of the road okay i'm, I'm intrigued to find out uh what what your your last one is and i mean what is the worst season for you so i can't wait to talk about that oh uh, we're getting there don't you worry <laughs> all right well i guess that's a wrap on season two of games of games of of games of games of thrones i try to say it with an accent but then i, I burped at the same time see i'm very professional here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking it I'm we're liking all it. about providing the utmost experience for yes. our viewers well thank you very much check us out on uh, all platforms like always and griffin any last words guess we're ready for what season three be coming down the tube somewhere season three is coming and this is a season that changes a lot. Well, yes. Yeah. It does change. It does some crazy yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs>